This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, have you guys been blessed so far? Praise God. Praise God. Um, all right, this um, final message today is uh, hopefully designed to encourage us in our, um, in our process of changing through the Holy Spirit. And, um, <clears throat> and then tomorrow... Um, I'll have two more sessions or two more messages. Um, one message will be uh, entitled The Fourth Decree. It'll be the closing message. And uh, if you can be here, I really encourage you to be here for that. It is a message that, that uh, shows us what can be done as far as the latter rain goes, how quickly we can finish the work once we are filled with the Spirit of God. And we want to finish the work quickly. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then the message before that, is a mystery message. It's a mystery message. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't know yet what it is. <laughs> so, uh, you come and find out and I'll find out with you. <laughs> um, I'm still praying on what the Lord had me to share for that first message and then the second one will be the fourth decree. So, having said that, um, let's. Uh, <clears throat> what we're going to do is this message is going to be um, a little bit shorter because we want to spend some time in prayer. And then at 4.35, um, someone's going to come in here and grab me from the pulpit and take me right out so that no one can talk to me. Because we have to, all the speakers need to be at a meeting somewhere. I have no idea what it is. Or Anyway, so if you have any questions for me, you can uh, bring those questions tomorrow and we'll have another question and answer set, uh, session tomorrow. Okay? Um, so let's uh, have another quick word of prayer, and then we will uh, jump right into this uh, final message. Heavenly Father, we once again come before you and ask, Lord, that um, you would just uh, grant us your spirit. Show us once again, Lord, what you are trying to do in our lives. And show us how you desire to prepare us to meet you when you come. May we be encouraged, Lord, and may we, may we know that with you on our side, who can be against us? Thank you for answering our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. The Bible uh, <clears throat> speaks of a period of 400 years in which uh, the children of Israel would uh, <clears throat> serve as slaves. They would be in bondage. And um, <clears throat> this prophecy was given to Abraham. It was not until Genesis 47 where we find the children of Israel have moved to Egypt um, because uh, Joseph 
uh, now being the second in command, has invited them uh, to come to Egypt, and they are given the land of Goshen, and there they grow and they prosper into a great multitude. Um, <clears throat> and then you know the story of a pharaoh that rose up that did not know Joseph, and uh, the children of, of, of Israel went into captivity, went into uh, slavery. And uh, after 400 years, um, a deliverer came on the scene. His name was Moses. And um, you remember that when Moses was born, there was a, it was a, a decree to kill all the baby uh, boys. Um, but Moses' life was spared. Satan had moved through Pharaoh uh, to, um, to destroy Moses. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. Exodus 17. The children of Israel have been led out of uh, Egyptian captivity. And in Exodus 17, we find a powerful story. Beginning with verse 5, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, um, In fact, let's jump back to verse, verse 3. It says, The people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is it that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Can you imagine that? When the children of Israel began this journey, they were excited. We're out of the promise. We're headed to the promised land. And, and uh, one of the first things they do, Exodus 17. In Exodus 15, they had crossed over the Red Sea and they were celebrating. And not shortly afterward, they begin to complain that you brought us out here to kill us. <laughs> and um, the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon a rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. That's powerful. That is powerful. God doesn't say, strike the rock, and then the people will drink. He says, no, wait till I get there. And I will stand upon that rock and then smite the rock. And water is going to come out. Shortly after that, we have this battle with Israel and Amalek. And the Bible tells us in verse 9, it says, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel, what? Prevailed. 
And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Where, where, where Moses, uh, uh, after this rock is is hidden, water comes out. The very next story you find, Moses goes to the top of a hill and uh, there is Aaron and her on either side of him and as his hands are raised, and what do you think those raised hands, when you raise your hands to heaven, what does that symbolize? It symbolizes prayer. Prayer. As Moses is praying, what's happening on the battlefield below? God's people are winning. Beloved, if you want to win in your life, you need to be praying. You need to be praying. But, but watch this though. <clears throat> last book of the Bible, what is it? Or last book of the Old Testament, what is it? Malachi. First book of the New Testament? Matthew. Do you know how long of a time period between the book of Malachi and Matthew? 400 years. Huh? 400 years. Just as in the Old Testament, 400 years of captivity, and then comes a deliverer. So in the New Testament, 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, and then comes a deliverer. And just as Satan had inspired Pharaoh to destroy all the children, so Satan moved Herod to destroy all the children under two years old, trying to destroy who? Jesus. Now as I look at this story and I look at Exodus chapter 17 and I see the incredible parallels, I can't help but think, wow, here the people were in a dry and thirsty land and God says to, them, says to Moses, Moses, strike the rock, but wait till I get on the rock. Wait till I get on the rock and then strike the rock. I find it quite interesting, beloved, that Jesus Christ died on a rock. And you'll remember what happened as he was on that rock. A Roman soldier came and struck... You, you are really going to make me get excited? Alone with all of us in the room, me alone. <laughs> Struck the rock. And blood and water came out. Ooh. But just as in Exodus 17, after the rock is struck, and we find another story of Moses going up to a hilltop. And holding up his hands. Oh my. Oh my. 
as he's holding up his hands and there are two people on either side of him. He had made me do this alone. Alone. I feel so lonely right now. Those, those two people who were the support of Moses, who held up his hands. Beloved, I want you to understand that as Jesus went to the hilltop and held up his hands, it was the thieves on the cross for which he held those hands high. Because each one of those thieves represents some portion of all of humanity. He died for those who wanted him and for those who rejected him. He kept his hands up. Now, beloved, I want you to understand that as Jesus holds those hands up, yes, he's now in heaven, but I want you to understand that that sacrifice was an eternal sacrifice. Which gives us a very important lesson, beloved. As long as that sacrifice was eternal, there is no reason for you and I to be losing any battle. There is no reason for you and I to be losing any battle because Jesus' hands are still raised to his Father. He is praying for... Have you ever thought about that? Like Jesus is praying for us. Like he's got a big prayer. You ever seen Jesus' prayer list? It's a big prayer list. He's praying for us. He's praying that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I want that thought to sink into your mind. That, that no, not only may your parents be praying, praying for you, or your pastor, or your friends, but Jesus himself is praying for you. He is praying that you will, will allow the Spirit of God to come into your life. And, and beloved, once we understand that those hands are still raised before his Father, we can know, man, there's no reason for me to lose any battle. The Spirit of God should be able to work on me and transform me and change me into his image as long as I don't resist. Hmm. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. Mark 4, verse 35. The Bible says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, 
peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no what? Faith. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Those words in verse 35, let us pass over to the other side. I want you to get a mental image of the plan of salvation. I'm going I'm to paint a picture for you very quickly. A picture of our journey. Our exodus from captivity to heaven's shore. How many of you are looking forward to getting to heaven's shore? We're on a journey, right? And so I want you to picture Jesus coming to us and says and saying, let us pass over to the other side. Right? You're looking at, how many of you are looking forward to passing over to the other side? Right? Right? Uh, it's interesting. Let us pass over. Pass over. Any thoughts come to your mind? Pass over. <laughs> what thought comes to your mind? What story comes to your mind? Passover. <laughs> How'd you get that? <laughs> right? right? What is Passover about? It was about the children of Israel, the, the angel of death, death passing over, right, uh, uh, those who had the blood on the post of their door. But beloved, it was also a story about how the children of Israel were passing over from captivity to freedom. They were about to pass over to the other side if you will. And so imagine this, 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 this broad sea. Jesus says in John 14 that he goes to prepare a place for us and if he goes, he will come again uh, and bring us to where he, where he is. When does Jesus come again to bring us to where he is? When does he come again? Second coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm, you're right. <laughs> Literally, he comes again the second. But does Jesus come again before that to take us in another way? Oh, yeah. Remember, what, he, what did he say? He said, if I go, I will send the comforter. What is the job of the comforter? The job of the comforter is to guide us spiritually to the other side. Are you with me? So, so how many of you remember your call when you got that call? Let us pass over to the other side. You remember that call? I remember that call. Um, I was a hip-hop artist. And um, the name of our, interestingly enough, um, the name of our group, some of you may know this, some of you may not, we were called the Boogie Monsters. Very funny. And if I were you, I'd laugh too. Right? So Boogie Monsters, right? But, but the name of our album was called Riders of the Storm. Now we had named our album that because of a group that we had fought in love with. Uh, the name of the group was Jim Morrison and the Doors. I don't know if any of you remember that group. I know that you weren't always Adventist. And uh, they had this real popular song about uh, it was uh, the chorus went break on through to the other side. 
And I, I, I look back and I think, wow, it's quite, quite interesting how the devil will even take lyrics. Jesus invites us to the other side. But the devil will take those very things and create lyrics and create songs that go directly against what Jesus is speaking about. But I remember when he invited me over to the other side. By the way, uh, Jim Morrison and, uh, and the Doors also had a song called Riders of the Storm. I'm going to come back to that. So, so here are these ships representing you and I. And we're all on this journey to get where? To the other side. To the other side. And uh, the Bible says there again in verse, verse 36, When they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also other little ships with him. Um, <clears throat> Jesus says, I'm going to come again. And I'm, I will send the who? The comforter. What is, what is a comforter? What does a comforter do? Comfort. So, so it's as though Jesus says, hey, we're going on a trip and um, I'm going to make some accommodations for you. I'm going to make things comfortable. How many of you would like to be comfortable? <laughs> Yeah, Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter, and he's going to make things comfortable for you. Comfortable. Um, when God makes accommodations for a ride. Yeah? When God makes accommodations for a ride, we can relax. Amen? Uh, God made accommodations for Noah, didn't he? He made accommodations for Noah, amen? amen. And um, you probably are putting this together. Noah rode the storm. Alright, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Noah rode the storm, but, but let's see what happens here. So, um, <clears throat> verse 37, it says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you, had you known, when Jesus first said, hey, come on, let's cross over to the other side. The water is peaceful. The sun is out shining. It just looks all good. I remember how excited you were when you were like, yes, I'm crossing over to the other side. Woohoo! If we had seen the cloudy horizon, right? How many of you would have gotten in the ship? Probably none of us. Probably none of us. But God says, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to allow the ride to start off smooth, mild. You know, you, you become an Adventist and you're so excited. You're going to go tell, you know, your old pastor how lovely the discovery of the Sabbath is. And the whole church is just going to convert over. It's going to be a great thing because after all, these are all your best friends, right? <laughs> You're going to go home and tell your parents about how you have, you know, 
taken up a new life and oh how they're going to be so proud of you and thankful and ask you about this new religion of yours and they'll just want to follow right along. (laughs) If you only knew, (laughs) if you only knew the storms that lay ahead, if you only knew that your wife or your husband would say, enough, I'm out of here. If you only knew that your children would say, oh, you are crazy. Or your parents would say, I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. If you only knew those things, maybe you would not have gotten on the ship. But no, God is good. He creates sunshine and nice blowing wind, 70 degree weather. Ah, beautiful. This trip is going to be wonderful. Right? And then the Bible says that the storm comes. The waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, um, asleep on a pillow. (laughs) Pretty comfortable, huh? (laughs) Pretty comfortable. Think about the storms. The storms that Joseph went through. The storms that Abraham went through, the storms that Job went through. Think about the storms of life. Think about how trying. Think about the the, the various trials because this is all dealing with what the Spirit of God has been sent to do. And now we're seeing that the Spirit of God has actually been sent to make our ride comfortable. But we're going, wait a minute, comfortable storm. How does this work? How does this work? Jesus is in the hinder part of the ship and he's asleep. Not only is he asleep, but he's asleep on a pillow. <laughs> it's like somehow this, the writer is trying to like emphasize something. He was not only sleeping, he was sleeping on a pillow. <laughs> I mean, it seems that Jesus was just comfortable. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like Jesus was asleep in your situation? Like, Jesus, where are you? Wake up! You ever, and you ever wonder how he could sleep at such a time like this? How could he just not be there for you in your time of need? And Jesus says, don't worry, I have sent you a pillow. I mean, a comforter. Don't reject the pillow. I mean, the comforter. Don't reject the comforter that I've sent you. I, I, I know, I knew of what was coming, and that's why I sent the comforter to you to, to provide for you comfort in the midst of your trials and of your storms. Jesus looked very, very comfortable. And they're wondering, why is he sleeping? Jesus Don't you care? That's the question they asked him. Jesus, don't you care? Anyone ever asked Jesus that question? (laughs) Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm perishing? Don't you care that the waves seem to be coming up over my head? So there are a couple lessons I want you guys to, to learn. In fact, that we all need to learn, okay? Lesson number one is this. What bothers us does not bother Jesus. Isn't that a good lesson? What bothers us does not bother Jesus. 
So can you see the disciples there? They're like panicking. And Jesus is asleep. Now, I think this sleep that Jesus was in was so deep, like he, he actually probably didn't even like, realize there was a storm. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to go through life? <laughs> Just like, so, man, what are you doing, sleeping? <laughs> Don't you see the storm? Yeah, but I'm... I'm just sleeping, just resting. Just resting in Christ. Wouldn't that be nice? And God says it is possible. You can actually go through life with your pillow. You know, you know the little kids, they just love to leave their pillows everywhere. Let's be my little children. Here, here's your pillow. My pillow. What bothers us does not bother Jesus. You remember when the, uh, when the disciples came, uh, the Roman soldiers came to, to, to get Christ, and uh, the disciples pulled out their swords, and Jesus was like, oh, wait a minute. Put your swords up. There's no, no need to do this. I'm fulfilling my Father's will. The peace of Jesus came because he was comforted by the Father's will. He knew what the Father's will was. And when you know what the Father's will is, you can rest in comfort. Because even though the chaotic situation seemed like Jesus was certainly doomed, Jesus had faith in the word of his Father. Right? He trusted in the evolutionary processes, the spiritual evolution of salvation. He knew it would come to pass despite the chaos. Lesson number two. What does not bother Jesus should not bother us. Lesson number one. What bothers us does not bother Jesus. Lesson number two. What does not bother Jesus should not bother us. We're on a journey. Storms are going to come, but God has sent the comforter. Now, if you don't have the comforter, what's going to happen? You're going to panic. But if you do have the comforter, you can rest. You can know that God's word will get you safely to where you're going. What does it mean to be in the ship? First Peter tells us. First Peter chapter 3, in fact, let's turn there very quickly. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Who is, and who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, be not afraid of their terror, neither be what? Trouble. 
In other words, if you're living righteously, it doesn't matter what storm comes in your life. You don't have to be afraid of the storm. You don't have to be afraid of the terror. Why? Because you're living righteously and the comforter is with you. God says, don't fear. Don't worry. Happy are you. Fortunate. Can you imagine telling, Joel, telling Daniel, Daniel, you were fortunate to be thrown in the lion's den. How fortunate. <laughs> what? It says, count it as, as being fortunate when you suffer for righteousness' sake. Count it as being fortunate. Carest not thou that we perish? They asked him. I think it shows that they had not yet fully known Jesus. Now watch this. Back in Mark 4, watch this in verse 39. After they say to Jesus, Carest thou not that we perish? Verse 39, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind, what everyone? Ceased and there was a great calm. Amen. How many of you look forward to the time that Jesus says, peace be still? Amen. Amen. You want Jesus to say, peace be still? Raise your hand. I want Jesus to say, peace be still. Can I tell you something? (laughs) You see, beloved, after Jesus said, peace be still, did he turn around and go, "Ah." Jesus seems to have been very disappointed. Look, look. Verse 40, he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no, no what? No faith. No faith. Now remember, the just walk by faith, not by sight. So what were they doing right there? They were looking at their circumstances and they disregarded the fact that Jesus was asleep in the boat. Asleep. Jesus gets up and says, look, um, I was sleeping. Doesn't Jesus always seek to set the example for us? You guys should have been sleeping too. (laughs) I was sleeping. Why were you worried? Like, if there was something to worry about, you would think that Jesus might be the one to first recognize it, right? But Jesus says, I was sleeping. And you were worried. You should have been in the boat sleeping too. You should have looked at me and known, man, he is so peaceful, there's probably nothing to worry about. Because if there was something to worry about, he would be the first one up. You see, beloved, Jesus wants us to learn how to ride the storm. And when we say, Jesus, Jesus, please make the storm stop, it disappoints him. You see, another storm is coming. 
You may have read the quote. Have you read where Ellen White says a storm is coming, relentless in his fury? And, and, and in order for us to make it through that storm, we are going to need to learn how to ride storms. You ever seen a surfer out there <laughs> on those waves? <laughs> but listen, Noah rode the storm. The children of Israel, the Bible actually tells us that when God delivered them, He says, I delivered you on eagles' wings. God is trying to teach us, the Spirit of God is trying to teach us how to ride the storm. And, and when we look at the storm, we go, Lord, please deliver me from the storm. God is trying to say to us, how will you ever be ready for the storm, the big one, if you keep asking me to stop these little guys? The Spirit of God, is the Comforter, is trying to get us to comfortably ride storms. So He allows situations to come into our lives and says, Okay, now here's how we're going to ride the storm. I just want you to relax. I don't know if I can relax. Holy Spirit, trust me, just relax. Here, see this pillow? Put your head right here. <laughs> just put your head right here. Lay down. Hey, keep it down. Right there. Go to sleep, go to sleep. You know, I'm trying to get you to relax. Why? Because we have to learn how to ride these smaller storms so that when the big one comes, we would have been trained by the Spirit of God. It's almost as though God's, Jesus looks at them and says, okay, faith comes by what? Hearing. Now, you guys obviously didn't have faith. So, since you guys won't listen to me, let me speak to the wind and the sea. Guys, be still, please. Can you give them a demonstration of what faith is? <laughs> be still. And then they go, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him in faith when we don't? Apparently, obey him. <laughs> God is saying, listen, if the winds and the sea trust my word, what are you doing? What are you doing? God sends us the Spirit <clears throat> so that we can learn how to ride the storms. So that's why Isaiah 40, 40 verse 31 says... They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now, eagles. Do you know what, do you know what kind of weather eagles like to fly in? Eagles are the only birds that look for the storm. Eagles will wait for the storm and they'll sit there and they'll be like, no, no, mm -mm. no, that one's too small. Mm -mm. Ah, 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 look at that storm. Oh, and they see that storm and off they go. And you know what the storm does? You know the reason that they like the storm? 
is because the storm lifts them higher. The storms lift them higher. And it does so effortlessly. They just glide. You ever seen the eagle like he's sleeping like <laughs> in the storm? So God doesn't liken us to some other bird. He says, I will give you eagle's wings. Why? Because the spirit is designed, is, is given to us to teach us how to ride the storms of life. So now we understand that the bigger the storm. Okay. <laughs> the bigger the storm, the closer it takes you to Jesus. Amen. So, beloved, when you see a big storm coming in your life, go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wait for that storm. The Bible tells us, beloved, that, when, that every time we, 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 we go through a trial, we go through a circumstance, it is designed, it is God's workman, these temptations, these trials, when they are finished, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We need to learn how to ride the storm. You know the early church rode the storm. Did you know that? The Bible says, when the Spirit of God fell, it came like a mighty, rushing wind. That storm, beloved, took the church all throughout the early centuries. Nothing could stop them. They, they learned, they understood through the Holy Spirit how to ride the storms of persecution. And then, beloved, to top it off, even in the dark ages, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in the book of Revelation that God gave his bride, gave that church two wings of an eagle. Even the church of the dark ages, they understood how to ride the storm. So that's why the more they were persecuted, the more they multiplied. We need to learn how to do what? Ride the storm. Why do we need to learn how to ride the storm? I'm wrapping it up. Revelation 7. Revelation 7. <coughs> Revelation 7, verse 1. After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four what? Winds of the earth. That the wind should not... Blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel having the, or from the east having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till the servants of God have learned how to ride the storm. I mean... <laughs> don't let the winds blow. Why? Why not let the winds blow yet? Why? Because every time a storm comes along, my servants ask me to stop the storm. Every time a wind blows, sometimes it's a cool summer breeze. Lord, help me! 
just a bill. We're, 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 we're weeping and gnashing teeth. God says, don't let the winds blow yet. Don't let the storm come yet because they're not ready. They don't yet fully trust me. They need to get more acquainted with that pillow. They need to become more acquainted with the comforter. And beloved, when the time comes where God's people know what it means to ride the storm, God says, okay, let the winds go. Let the winds go. Watch my servants. They're going to ride the storm. They, they are riders of the storm. Beloved, the Spirit of God is waiting for us to let Him in. When I asked you earlier this morning, I said, do you really want the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Really? If you've been here for all four uh, messages, you will understand what I mean. Count the cost. If you really, really want the Holy Spirit, God's going to have to take you through some hard lessons. But he says, don't worry. I'm going to give you my pillow. I'm going to teach you how to rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So despite the winds that blow, despite the circumstances, despite the situation, know that God, that the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to take us safely from this side to the other side. It's been sent to evolve us until we become like the image of Jesus Christ. It's been sent to help us to identify Jesus even in our enemies. It has been sent to make us like Jesus. I hope today that you have gained an understanding of the work of the Spirit of God in a way that will change your life forever. I hope today that you will go home I don't hope that you will go home today. (laughs) But I do hope today (laughs) that when you go home after these meetings, having counted the cost, you will say, Holy Spirit, teach me not to say, stop the storm, God will do it. But he does it disappointed. Teach me, Lord, not to say stop the storm, but teach me, Lord, how to How many of you want to be riders of the storm? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your word to us. Thank you for the spirit that you have sent to comfort us on this journey. Teach us, Lord, to ride the storm 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to take, uh, how much time do we, what time is it now? 4.27. Let's just take five minutes and um, I'd like for us to break up into groups, three, four, five people maybe, and let's just pray um, for all that you have, you have learned today, not only in this seminar, but maybe in any other seminar that you've been. Let's just uh, really lift our voices to, to God. I don't mean lift our voices so that it's commotion here, but I mean spiritually lift your voices to God and ask him, Lord, help me, help me to allow the spirit of God to work in my life. And then I will close um, this session of prayer. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org. Thank you.